What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko, and the co-host is here, and his name is... <laughs> Did you forget my name? No, I just want you to say it this time. Oh, Chris Vaughn. <laughs> I'm here also. <laughs> That's right. You think I would really forget your name? Well, you didn't know my name for a long time, apparently. Well, not your full name, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so a little kind of weird timing on our episodes last uh, couple weeks, but we just, we're just a couple busy guys and, uh, you know, we got families. Most importantly, we just want to go fish. So I think that's what's gotten away more than anything, let's be honest. Um, Chris is over here scrolling his Instagram as always, looking at his, uh, status, his Insta star status, trying to see how many likes (laughs) he's got. (laughs) It's not at all what I'm looking at. How how are your likes doing, Chris? You, you got- <laughs> That's not what I'm looking at. I was I was trying to see who who made the suggestion for the today's topic and uh Oh, okay. And his name was uh D A Emerson on on the uh Instagrams. D- Dave Emerson. Dave Emerson. Yep. So, so he suggested uh a topic for us to do uh basically muddy water small mouthing. Mm-hmm. So, so So today we're talking mud butt brown Brown bass. There's a lot. There's a lot of mud butt water around right now. Actually, that's what Josh and I were just having a an in depth conversation about. We have our big annual Memorial Day trip coming up, and we were looking at the forecast for the rivers that we want to go to, and it's it's not looking good. It's it's. I'm hopeful. Tenuous. I'm a, let's put it this way. I'm an optimist. Right. You tend to be a pessimist with that's that true. stuff. Yeah. So, I'm a. I'm not counting anything out till. The fat lady sings. Nope. So you're not. So yeah, we have, we have uh, what, ten, eleven days. About ten days. Yeah. Yeah, ten, ten days for the until river we're to clear. on the water, and then of course we'll be on the water for five days. So right. Yeah. So we've got to look at the forecast for the next two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Just let's cross our fingers for dry, dry a little, little mini uh, uh, drought. Yeah, this, man. This mini spring drought. Yeah, that would be good. Hopefully, it comes. So, since our last episode, uh, let's see, Josh, you did you did a tournament last weekend, right? And on topic, in some muddy mud butt water, didn't you? Yeah, we, um, you know, we were on an a, unsure. And unsure. who did you go on that trip with again? <laughs> Not you, <laughs> uh, DB, and then uh, Adam Debard. Um, no, it was a kayak tournament. It was kind of one of those tournaments. It was, it was a I would say a less serious tournament than some of the live events. I guess this one was live, but it was, uh, you know, wasn't all one body of water. You could fish anywhere in the state of Indiana. Um, it was called a 50, 50 tournament. So they had half the field fishing, um, kind of through the night on Friday into, um, Saturday night. And then the other field could fish, you know, from Saturday night into Sunday afternoon. So, um, it was cool. How did you time. end up doing? I uh, did did okay. Ended up uh, third place. Uh, I think there were about sixty anglers. So, and I honestly, I wasn't even expecting to do that well because it was you're competing against 
largemouth anglers and those guys you know they go fish these uh, i mean i'm not knocking them but they go fish these honey holes that... bit of an advantage so what yeah. i mean out of the smallmouth guys how did you do Oh, I was the top smallmouth guy. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, no right. doubt. I mean, well, was there any doubt? Yeah. Mm, yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Derek rolled up literally we're, you know, you know, Derek, he's half a mile behind us at all times at minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really know how he was doing. He caught up and he was like, you know, kind of, oh yeah, he'd caught a couple, missed a couple nice ones and. You know, I honestly, the the very last little stretch, you, you know where it is, um, you know where I'm talking about. Yeah. There's kind of the last little stretch, there's a deep hole, and then from there to the takeout, there's, you know, a pretty good stretch of bank, you know, before you get there. Yeah. And I kind of left it alone because I was wanting Derek to catch kind of a nice keeper, and the dude comes rolling up with the 19 and a half inch small mouth. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I left that bank to you, bud. I was you saying, you probably would have caught it though. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was a good possibility that I would have caught it. But, yeah. um, well, I was yeah. on fire that last like hour and a half. But anyways, what I was kind of getting at, um, you know, as far as the muddy water goes, Everything was kind of blown out around here. We weren't sure where we were going to go. We actually, you know, had plans to go to Kentucky and just not even fish the tournament because there was some uh, river down there that we were wanting to fish. And um, the river, like the night before, I was like, you know, I was like, I think we might be able to float it. And uh, it was high, no doubt. But I was like, I, I think we could float it. It had been clearing for a couple of days. It was just really high. And, uh, yeah, we went and floated. It was, you know, it, it was pretty muddy. Uh, <laughs> probably uh, the first day was probably a foot of visibility. And then, uh, you know, the next day was about the same because it rained a little bit. I'll tell you what gave uh, me an, an indication that you guys could do that was uh, I saw that Stone Miller posted of him and his dad, I think, went fly fishing. And he posted some pretty good fish. Yeah. And it was high. I mean, it was it was muddy. But, uh Mm-hmm. You guys went out, took the risk, made it happen, fished the tournament. And you guys paid for the tournament, right? All, yeah. You paid for it already, mm-hmm. so you might as well get your money out of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, if I didn't think we could have caught fish, I would have just cut bait on the tournament and donated my entry fee, but... Because yeah, it was for charity? Is that, yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, Joe Gentry, uh, um, his son's going through some health stuff, and they were trying to raise some money for for uh whatever his procedures he's got going on but yeah i mean it was it was interesting it 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 definitely wasn't what i would call like crazy good fishing like it was a grind like for sure it was a grind yeah just inconsistent kind of well we can talk we can talk more about it i think it, it falls perfectly in line with kind of today's topic but yeah um you know and and in the you know, since our last episode, you know, I went out uh, on Flat Rock uh, on Tuesday this week. Good flows, actually. I mean, it was, you know, maybe two foot of visibility, went out with my fly rod. And it's it kind of the same thing, uh, you know, very like they wanted it very specific. Like they wanted, you know, I found a pattern, fortunately, pretty quickly. And, you know, if I didn't fish the fly exactly this way, like if I didn't have it scraping along the bottom, stripping it, like almost burning it, they weren't eating it. So, you yeah, know, I mean, that's just kind of what they wanted. You know, if it was kicking up dirt, they were going to eat it. If it wasn't, 
you know, they weren't going to eat. You caught it, a pretty so. nice one, didn't you? Yeah, I caught a. You know, I think it ended up donkey. Being, yeah, I think it ended up being a little under nineteen. Yeah. So, which I and and of course, you know, I'll disclaimer that I did measure it with a piece of tippet. So. <laughs> So I, because I didn't have my hot, I forgot my chest pack again. So I saw the picture on your rod. It, it was a big fish. It was, it was a big fish. But you know, I always am, I, I always hesitate to put measurements out there just because uh, if I don't have it on a bump board. But well, you we know, saw put, a guy claim a twenty-four incher today, and uh, no, we didn't see any measurement. Yeah, but I mean, he was from like Virginia or something. So yeah, it looked pretty big too. But I mean, I, I took a piece of tippet and like cut it. You know, stretched it out, cut it at the tail, cut it at the mouth, and then uh, put it in my pocket, and then measured it on my bump board later on that day. And it was, you know, it was a little under nineteen, but you know, uh, I, I, big fish. I don't, it was a big fish, regardless. And it put a freaking bin, man. I mean, I, I walked up on the spot. It was just like a, you know, flow coming in through the middle of the river on the left side. It was just kind of a dugout spot, you know, with like shrubs coming down into the water. And I cast right up along the shrubs, brought it back straight upstream to downstream retrieve. And it, I mean, I let it hesitate on the bottom and a one slow strip and he picked it up and just like a crawfish. Yeah, it was a crawfish. I mean, I was in, I was in the water up to the bottom of my rib cage. So mm. you know, when you've got a, when you've got a fish on a fly rod and you're, you know, in up to, you know, above your belly button, it's. You know, it's always a little unnerving, especially a big fish. But he put on a good. It was a good, good show. That's awesome. So yeah, had me against the ropes a couple of times, but we ended up getting it done. Of course, I killed him, threw him up on the bank. <laughs> Don't want anybody else to find him. Smashed so. his head in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to have anybody Boot else catch him. that one. Yeah, <laughs> curb stomped him. Yeah, I'll never go back to that spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, the we we'll talk about a little bit more about the pattern that I saw this weekend, but kind of echoing what you're saying, just really inconsistent. Um, it was, it was, it's kind of frustrating because, you know, when you go out and the fish are cooperating, you kind of have a system, or at least I do, I have a system of kind of like how I go out, you know, I start making observations on how the fish are taking the bait, where they're taking it, um, you know, where, where I'm at in the water column. And uh, then you, you know, you catch three, catch four, catch five, and then you kind of start putting those, pieces together and dude if you're not catching enough fish for one it's hard to put a pattern together and that was probably the main problem like i wasn't catching numbers um and the ones i were catching was just like really they weren't where i would expect them to be i mean the water's up high um i was expecting them to be you know current breaks and stuff and there was there were current breaks and i'd be like oh this looks so good and just no fish and then i would catch a fish like in the middle of the current. I'm like, what the heck? So, yeah, that's odd. What? It makes it tough, like, when they're not where you expect them and they're kind yeah. of all over the place. They're not really in a consistent spot, for sure. But we did the... We uh, we actually camped Riverside because um, the Saturday was rainy and cloudy. Then we camped Riverside, got up Sunday. It was real sunny, so it kind of, like, boosted the spirits a little bit. You know, you got that sun shining. Right. Um, gave me a little bit more confidence, and that was the day I fished the tournament. And, a long uh, night of banging each other in your tree hammocks. That's what it's all about. <laughs> that's what it's all about, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why we use hammocks, right? <laughs> Sex swings. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, so on the topic of 
you know, muddy water, I would first off start out by, you know, differentiating that, you know, what we mean by muddy water. And, you know, muddy water around here is a pretty common thing. We have a lot of rivers around here that just have a lot of erosion and they muddy up really fast. Um, so we have to deal with that pretty often, even in the summertime, you know, we get, you know, stray shower, you know, around here, it's just like instant chocolate milk. Whereas like your rivers that have controlled flow dams and stuff like up North, um, and you know, agriculture, yeah, a lot less agriculture. Those, those rivers will get high, but they won't get muddy as bad. Um, so we just have had to learn how to fish, um, around here. Um, so, the two types of muddy water I would kind of put in two categories. And obviously this is dependent on what time of year we have cold, muddy water and warm, muddy water. Uh, cold, muddy water is way harder to fish than warm, <laughs> muddy water. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, cause actually warm, muddy water can be a welcome thing, you know? Oh, absolutely. If yeah. you know, you're in the summertime, it's low and clear, you get a big old washout, yeah. the river pops up and you give it one day to kind of let that silt come down. That's actually like, that's probably, let's my, go. I mean, that's for sure out of all the times in the year, like when it's been like end of July, like first of August, and then you get a rain, you know, that, that mm-hmm. bumps the flow up and you've got mud, you know, and it gets down to like that two foot of visibility or, or even less. That's like the time to be out. Yeah. And that's the time you're going to get the shot at the 20 in the middle of summer. Right. You know, exactly. You're going to get the shot at the, at the big fish that, you know, consistently. Um, yeah. That's, that's by far my favorite time of the year to be out. So. Whereas like this time of the year, the water's already in the river. So the extra water doesn't really do anything for the fish. Right. Um, and then that, uh, you know, that visibility goes down. It just really makes it difficult. And like I said, the rivers are already high, so they come up even more. I mean, fish are trying to spawn or search for spawning grounds. It just screws everything up. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's I, a good, that's a good, uh, you know, qualification though. It's like, there's a, there's a huge difference between like water that's like at 60 degrees or above and muddy mm-hmm. versus water that's like 50 degrees and below and muddy. Yeah. When it's 50 degrees below and muddy, I mean, you have to know where the fish are going to be. I mean, they're going to be like in winter when you've got low visibility, you can still catch fish because you know where the fish are going to be. Right. But like in that kind of springtime, you know, below when it's still below 50, muddy water that's that's a tough time especially for fly fishermen that's a tough time and of the year we honestly so. might not have much value to add there because i don't think either <laughs> one of us are great at catching them. <laughs> right i mean i just came off a trip where we caught big fish we just didn't catch a ton i mean i think you know in two days two full days of fishing i caught you know maybe 20 fish you know so it was right. slow you know really slow but you're uh, catching quality yeah yeah i think um I had uh, a 19 and a quarter, 18 and a half, an 18, a 17 and three quarter, and a 16. And that was all in, on Sunday. And then I lost a freaking ridiculously large fish on Saturday, but we're not going to talk about that because <laughs> I'm still a little butthurt from it. I can um, hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. 
Oh man, it was bad. It was like one of those I'm slamming my rod against my kayak. <laughs> uh, it was it was bad. I've never done that before. Never lost a big fish, <laughs> yeah. so I don't have any idea. Chris has ve- he's very mild mannered on the river. It's very polite. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess probably for the real like true beginners, one of the first things that we'll mention, you know, it's a little counterintuitive, uh, and all the people who have fished for a while, you know, this is not something you probably need, but. Uh, you know, one of the first things you think is like, oh, muddy water, I'm going to throw on white or some bright color. And, you know, sometimes that works, but the vast majority of the time, I mean, darker colors are going to, you know, are going to be more visible when the water's muddy. it's just a simple, you know, it's a simple, it's, it's a simple idea, right? It's contrast. Yeah. So your mud is like, you know, like a light tan, like we say, chocolate milk, and then black is going to be anything black is going to contrast the most with that color. So like a like a black tube in muddy water, you know, or a you know a black spinner bait with a big bumper blade. You know, I would say something like that. That's that's going to have a lot of contrast to right. it. So the, at least you get that you get the noise aspect, and you get you know you you can sort of disturb that lateral line, and then you also have a possibility of like a visual. You know, yeah. because there's a lot of contrast. So the darker colors generally are, are more visible. That's kind of the the thing that you at least start with. Well, let's the darker colors. Let's qualify so. a little bit here. Um, I have kind of thresholds about when I will go out, especially when it's cold. If it's less than like six inches of visibility, I'm probably not going to bother. Right. Um, not that you couldn't catch fish uh, in those situations or those conditions. But you're not going to catch very many. It's going to be a grind. And honestly, it's just, you know, I have better things I can go do than sit there and try to catch one or two fish in a whole day. So that's kind of my, you know, it needs to be about a foot of visibility for me to feel confident. And, you know, I'm going to actually catch some fish. Now in the summertime, I still think that rule applies, though. You know, I think so, too. I I don't. I don't enjoy going out there and just sitting in a, you know, basically a flowing stream of shit water. And, right. you know, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, foot if for fly fishing, I, I generally like 18 inches of visibility. I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know, because like it or not, like, I mean, it's, I feel real good at 18, Yeah, 18 and above 18 inches and above of visibility. And, you know, the other thing is you, you need to be careful when the water's super high. Cause there's, you know, there's going to be strainers, there's going to be, you know, the water's going to be up into the trees. There's going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to see the, the bottom very well. So, you know, the, just as a disclaimer, you know, you don't want to be going out when rivers are in flood stage anyway. So I would I would keep it to, you know, the 18 inches of visibility to, you know, foot of visibility if you're feeling froggy and you, you have to scratch the itch. But 18 inches of visibility is a pretty good rule of thumb to, you know, if it's not 18 inches, I'm going to go you know, pan fishing or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. in summertime, you know, a foot, I feel okay with, uh, yeah. you know, in summertime and that's, you know, I'm, I'm more of a conventional fisherman. So my ability to, and, you know, I was kind of, I know you touched on it a little bit, but color is definitely, uh, down the list from vibration. For me, vibration is going to be most important because the fish is, most keen sense is their lateral line. So yeah. being able to, I, I don't know what the, like, 
I think Reed Morehouse actually touched on this a little bit during our episode, but he was talking about how far away fish can sense vibration, and it's probably way more than we would ever imagine. So in the summertime, that's why muddy water can be good, because those fish can't, you know, they don't have near as much of a, a sense of... Well, they can't d- differentiate between what looks artificial and what looks real. It's yeah. more of an instinctual sort of take. Right. You know, and if you know where the cover is in the rivers that you're fishing generally, you yeah. can put a cast on the on the money and you're not going to have that refusal by a big dog. Yeah, and there's just more everything. There's more flow going through the water, so there's a lot more vibration stuff in the river where it's right. when it's really low, you know, if you step in a pool in a low river, like you're vibration from your foot you know is going to travel a lot further than it would if it was high right so those fish are just they let their guard down so but, specific what like in this we're, we're talking early or spring through summer what are you what are you putting in your box when you know you're going out to fish in eight you know 18 or less inches of visibility you know this is just me um there are a lot of baits i'm sure you could fish but i have two that I really, when, when the river's like what I consider muddy, I only throw two things. And that is a single bladed black spinnerbait Colorado blade, or uh, sometimes I'll throw a double bladed one, but still going to be Colorado and it's going to be black. Um, and then my other thing's a black tube. Those are the two yeah. things that I fish. And, and I've seen you fish a black whopper plopper before too, when it's, yeah. when it's really muddy. I have. I can't say that I'm like super confident in that, but I have. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I've caught some fish on top water when it's been muddy. I mean, you just think about the disturbance. You get a lot of misses, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I would say 90% of the time I'm going to have either a black spinnerbait or a black tube. And you know, something that I heard a long time ago, and I can't even remember where I heard this, but when the river gets muddy, I've heard that fish look down. So right. they're they're looking down, and that's why a black tube. I think you and I both in the past have had tons of success on black tubes. A black black water. tube with blue fleck, man. That's like one of my, especially in the yeah. spring. That's like a go to. Yeah, and in the tube is a, you know, I say a tube over like another soft plastic because the tube is a really like solid, big profile, you know, soft plastic. Like right. it's it sticks out. It's very versatile too. You can swim it. You can. Yeah, you know, bump along. You ever put like rattles or anything in your tubes? I have. I can't say that I do on a consistent basis, but that probably anything that can garner more attention, I don't think it's going to hurt. Like, so. like uh, Burton always used those Nico rig. I mean, that would put a little bit of vibration down yeah. too. But. I tell you what, um, that one of the guys that was with with us this weekend, Adam, uh, he was fishing. He he caught almost all of his fish on a chatterbait. Um, and actually, just to put a disclaimer out there. Adam would have got second place in no, that tournament. Don't disclaim it. Nope. <laughs> I am gonna say that now. He caught some largemouth. That here's the got here's him the where fact. he's at the night before. Uh, don't 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 give him the gra- <laughs> don't give him the you know the gratification. Well, we, <laughs> here's we were, the thing. I know I know for a fact that he's doping. <laughs> I know for a fact he's using he's using fishing enhancement drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he uh, so. Anyways, he couldn't submit his fish because we were out of cell phone coverage. Oh, of course, yeah. on Saturday I'm night. Sure, I'm sure he did. I'm <laughs> but sure he caught he, it. He caught he caught a lot of good fish, and he fished almost exclusively a chatterbait this week. That and what weekend. place did he get? 
<laughs> I think he got ninth actually. Yeah. Right. So With we don't want to hear fish. we don't we don't want to hear what the ninth place in a guy in a tournament got. Let's uh, hear about what the third place slash top smallmouth dogger got in this tournament. No, what were you fishing with? I don't care about what ninth I, place. That's not even a ribbon. A, a spinnerbait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I now I will say there towards the end I tie. Now this is the river is clearing a little bit. I tied on a little. Uh, um, square bill crankbait and i caught my last like two keepers on a crankbait two so, out of your three fish that you measured it was a five fish tournament oh five fish tournament okay yep. um so yeah the well, that's last pretty good i mean that you got to get what what color of uh or what was it a bandit 100 no it was those new uh bx brat rapala crankbaits okay. uh it was like a red red color oh that's another great color in the in the muddy water see i always had in muddy water, when I was a conventional guy, I would always go with a red and black spinnerbait. Yep, I thought about that. Dude, I'm telling <laughs> you. I caught, I've caught more fish over 20 inches with a red and black spinnerbait, I think, than any other bait I Yeah, you used to have this goofy-looking spinnerbait with, like, a treble hook on it. When Josh and I first started fishing together, I told him that I had these spinnerbaits with a treble hook on it. <laughs> and he was like, he just thought I was, like, making it up or stupid or something. And then I showed him, and he's like, oh, yeah, it does have a treble hook. Like, I didn't know what a treble hook was. I was like, yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, for real, I I caught more 20-inch fish on that. Oh, I know. Little, yeah. And I, you were, like, super pissed when the guy – it was a local guy them. making them. Yeah, he discontinued like, them. Stop making them. Yeah. R.I.P. to the to the uh, black and red spinnerbait sold exclusively <laughs> at Honey Creek Tackle in Bargersville, Indiana, only from the months of April to June <laughs> in, in 2013. You're probably gonna bring it back. Would you Would you buy some if you brought it back? I would start fishing with conventional gear. Again. <laughs> I would. I would literally. It, it was break, a pretty small spinnerbait from what I remember. I would walk out into the driveway of my new house. I would call my children and my wife to the window <laughs> and I would snap all of my fly rods into their faces. <laughs> That'll be the day. Yeah. And I'll, and then I would just I'd give it up forever. Yeah. I'd sail off into the sunset with your pole in my butt. Well, I might be making <laughs> spinnerbaits this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, no, yeah. so uh so yeah, the spinnerbait um, you know, anything that really, for me, that puts off vibration in, in, um, so muddy water, and this is another characteristic of what happens in muddy water, fish kind of get pushed to the banks. So if you like beating the bank. Now, which, why, why is that? Why, why do you think that fish get pushed to the bank? Because I, you know, I have my own theory about why. Well, my theory is just when the water gets up high, and the current's real, it's ripping through the middle of the river, right. the fish go on the edges where all the current breaks are. And that's usually where you catch them. You know, you'll find them in the, in the summertime anyways. I was having a hard time. So you think it's an energy thing? Yeah, I think they just, there's a lot more uh, current running through the middle of the river, so it's harder for them to, you know, make their way around the middle of the river. Um, they can't see that well, so they go tuck themselves in these little eddies and little current breaks like and they, tight 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 up on the bank yeah and they right. that's actually you know i would call it like a like a micro eddy or whatever those are the my favorite places to fish in the summertime when it gets muddy you just go along the bank and you look for those little subtle current breaks and they'll just be sitting real like up against the bank and you just run your bait right you know right across the edge of it and they'll sit there and you know just 
feet on anything that's getting washed down. I think that applies in the springtime too. But, you know, I think that they move like that one for energy, but two, I think it gives them like a point of reference or something to look at. I mean, I think that, you know, in that situation where there's less than a foot of visibility, I think it's, it's possible that they could get disoriented and kind of lost and I can see know, that. And it kind of gives them something to kind of keep relate their eye to. on. Yeah, and yeah. relate to and kind of, you know, and, and on top of that, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think that food sources get pushed up against the bank, too. So, you know, minnows are getting pushed up up onto the bank to get out of the current and they're getting, you know, they've got worms and I think bugs and all I, kinds of stuff being yeah, washed into the river. So. I think everything is kind of getting pushed down the river. I mean, you think of it, this it's the same concept of like tides and salt water right right you know when tides are moving all that stuff's getting kind of stirred up and i think those fish like that as long as they you know it's not too muddy you know they there's a lot of a lot of stuff floating around they can you know uh feed without having to feel like they got to be real stealthy you know right. whereas like when it's low and clear those fish have to really lay in wait you know they got to wait for something to come real close to it's a lot more of a precise action rather than stuff just kind of everywhere and they're just feeding willy nilly when it's, um, when it's muddy and you can, you know, get one over on them with an artificial lure. Whereas in clear water, they're a lot, lot more. I mean, you, you've seen it like fish will, they'll go and look at something and they kind of, they'll nose up to your lure and they'll really trying to figure out if it's real or not. Right. Whereas in muddy water, they don't, you know, there's like food, eat it, you know, right. sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, and for flies, I guess, you know, I, I completely agree about the orientation of fish. I think that they do move towards the edge of, of the river. I think that they, you know, you'll find them tight up on a rock that's got current going through in the middle of the river, too. But I think that as a good rule of thumb, unless you are aware of current breaks in the middle of the river, like you know exactly where they are because it's home water or whatever, I think a good rule of thumb is it's time to bank shoot. I think it's time yeah. to hammer the bank all the way down. Look for those little micro eddies. Look for spots, you know, tied up, uh, tied up against a weed bed, a weed bed, or tied up against the bank, or tied up against a big rock that's breaking current. You know, I think that that's that's probably the spot to go to in the in the uh, muddy water situation. But for flies, I'll give you just a couple of flies that I like for for some muddy water. I, I tie a black game changer that I like a lot, and I put a rattle in it. Uh, I I've been tying a lot a lot of my flies lately with like a black rattle. Um, I think that that adds just an extra little element to it. So I, you know, Didn't you I call I, it like your spinner bait fly. Yeah. I mean, I do have like a bait fish material that I I've been tying spinner bait flies with, but um, yeah, yeah, I mean that one, that one will work all right too. But you know, I definitely prefer like if I had to pick two, like you did, I, I would pick, I'd pick a black game changer and I'd put tons of flash all through it. Uh, I'd put a, a rattle in the head. Um, and then the other one is, of course, the Mad Yabby. I like a black with a black brush, black zonker. And then I put a, I put a large rattle in that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if that's, you know, if you had two, those are the two I'd go with. Just something with tons of flash. And, and then the other one, I guess I'll do three. So the Circus Peanut, of course, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, so another thing I was thinking about, uh, from a strategic standpoint when it's muddy, you know, kind of your, this, this is a good, for me that I think this is a good, good, uh, thing to think about. So 
in warm muddy water, mm-hmm. I think you want to speed up. So I think you want to fish fast. You want to cover water. You want to throw faster moving types of lures. Um, and fish are really start that like activates them. They like like to chase. Um, so now you you still got to target the spots where the fish are. You still got to get them close. But like that's like power fishing time. That's like crankbait, spinnerbait, like fast, fast, about, fast, fast. You're talking fast. about like in the summer, like we were talking about. Yeah, in like August warm, when you get a big rain. Warm, muddy water. Now cold, muddy water. I think you need to slow down. Right. And that is was probably my problem this past weekend. Why I was struggling to catch very many fish because I see that muddy water. I see those current breaks, and I'm like, I want to hit everything. And I was throwing a spinnerbait, and I was watching. I actually get Adam outfished me on Saturday when he was fishing the tournament and I was really watching him and he was throwing a chatterbait and he would throw it out there and like let it sink to the bottom and he was just kind of popping off the bottom just barely letting it bump and when I started slowing down with my spinnerbait and let, like kind of slow rolling it I started getting bit um, so I think those are two things warm muddy water you f- speed up right you cover water cold muddy water you slow down and those are the kind of two rules of thumb that you can use, um, you know, if you're if you're out there trying to figure those fish out when it's muddy. So. Yeah. And what about like, um, so for around here, um, you know, the gauges that we look at, the White River gauge, you know, the uh, the Sugar Creek gauge, you know, um, and stuff like that. If you had to like pick a pick a time like on the on the rise and fall of the river. Um, is there any particular time that you're looking at in the in the springtime? Spring? Yeah. Like right now? Yeah, like right now. I like when it's clearing. So like a couple days clearing? Yeah, I, I, that's what I like. Um, whereas in the summertime, it's complete opposite. So you like it when it's rising? I like... It's hard to catch it when it's rising. You got to really... Because it, it spikes fast around here. Yeah, you have to catch it, but... I'll tell a really brief story here. I was on a river by myself. It was crystal clear. I'm talking like crystal, crystal clear. And I think I've told you this story before. I paddled, put in, paddled upstream, and I was planning to do a point-to-point float. And uh, I was fishing and uh, caught a couple. And then all of a sudden, man, it was like every cast, I was like, 18, 17, 18, 18, 17. It was like one right after the other. And I was like, what is going on? And I wasn't even moving, dude. I was fishing one little itty bitty spot. And it was like these fish were just going berserk, dude. As soon as I was fishing a tube, as soon as my tube hit the water, it didn't even hit the bottom, dude. Those things were all over it. And I was catching, I caught like 15 fish in in a row. I'm not joking. 15 fish, 15 casts. And... I was like, man, I need to start getting downstream because I had a car parked at the end. And uh, I look, I turn around and like, I'm like, that's really weird. The water looks kind of dirty. Like it was just weird. And uh, I, you know, I started to paddle downstream and within 30 minutes, uh, this river doubled in flow. And it was, it was unbelievable like whatever happened it must have got water or like rain upstream and it all washed down and by the time i got off of it dude it was like it was 
I've never been on that river that high. Like it was like dangerous high. And what I learned was what a, that really short period of time where that water is like spiking those fish, like go into like hyperactive mode. Now the rivers don't always spike that fast and that hard. Um, but I definitely in the summertime like it on the way up. Yeah. Um, that's, that's general rule of thumb. I, I kind of, I kind of always prefer it just on that, on that first or second day of coming down. I like the, mm. you know, in the springtime. Depends on how high it's coming Yeah, I was going to say, in the springtime, you know, you look at three, four days, you know, like after a normal rain, three to four days, you know, I kind of like that. Like, um, you know, it's dropped about halfway back to flow. You know, that's about the edge of when I'll, I'll consider going. Uh, in the summertime, that's about the perfect time to be out. That second day of, of it starting well, to fall. And I'll so. clarify too. I I agree with you. So I think that window when it's rising is really good. Yeah. Sure. But I don't. I think the worst time is when it's at its peak. So yeah. I think you know you get that that peak flow, and then the next you know mo- most consistent time would be a, yeah, like you said, a couple days after. I mean. You, you and I both kind of know there's a sweet spot there where you get that like cloud. We we like to call it cloudy yeah. water. And it's like, it's dirty enough to where the fish can't see you, but it's not so dirty that they can't see your bait. And that's like the best time in the summertime to go. Yeah, that's your, that's your big fish opportunity right there. Yeah. That's kind of sure. how I felt, you know, about this week when I, I snuck out and was able to go. I just felt like. You know, I mean, first of all, we've got rain in the forecast. It's raining right now. Um, Is it raining right now? Yeah, it's raining right now. Ooh. So, you know, I mean, I, I knew that I wasn't, I had a small window of opportunity to get out. And at this time of year, man, you really have to, especially this spring, it's been particularly wet, particularly high. Um, you just have to pick your windows, get out there and do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, this time of year, sometimes you just have to go. That was what, you know, we had that tournament, obviously, last weekend, but it was it was a learning experience because I I don't think I would have went out if we didn't have that tournament and uh, I think no, I would probably not but you guys may I mean it was a learning experience for sure yeah I mean it was it was probably a good double what I would usually say oh yeah let's go like right. it was twice that yeah I uh, mean it's you know and then okay here's another tip for the fly fishermen that listen if you're if you're going on a new stretch of water I wouldn't take a fly rod to explore <laughs> a new stretch of water when it's that muddy yeah because I mean you're just asking for a hard hard day I would go you know on spots that I know I know where the good spots are I know where the big fish hold up sure take your fly rod out you know on a spot that you don't know anything about I, I would either wait until the water looks good or I would take conventional gear out to explore. Because um, I've done it a bunch of times where I'm exploring with a fly rod in muddy water. It's and it's, it's a recipe for a bad, bad day of fishing. So, you know, if you're going to explore in muddy water on a new stretch, but, you know, sometimes we get in these situations where everything is blown out and you've got one river that looks okay and you don't really know it that well, but you, you're like, I, I want to go anyway. So you, so you run out there and you try it. Um, you know, in those situations, it's tough to do it, but I'd say just drop the long rod and and pick up a conventional, you know, conventional tackle and just go for it. So, yeah. And, you know, I'd say the overarching like theme of this episode, a lesson that could be learned is if you're the guy that's like, looks at a river and you're like, oh, it's muddy and I can't fish that, you know, 
most of the time you can definitely catch fish. Sometimes it helps. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, just kind of use that knowledge that we're dropping on you, you know, to uh, give you some better insight on when to fish, when you can fish, when you can catch fish. And like I said, in the summertime, you know, when it gets a little warmer this year, you know, it's low and clear and we get the, like, that rainstorm that comes through and it pops the river up. Like Chris said, just wait, you know, let it clear for like a day or two, go out there and it'll look muddy, but you'll, you'll be able to catch fish. You'll be able to catch big, big, big fish for yeah. sure. Especially what, if it's been low for a long time. And one of the nice things about, you know, uh, when the water gets that muddy, you know, you don't have to go to, you don't have to use fluorocarbon, you know, you yeah, can just run pure, exactly. you can just run pure braid, which means you can feel everything if you're fishing bottom, um, mm-hmm. You know, so it, it you gives you a stealthy. Yeah. And, and when you're fly fishing, like in the summertime and there's cloud on the water, you can get close. I mean, you can get in real close because, you know, in the summertime, you know, you're having to rip off 40, 50, 60 foot casts to get big fish. Cause, I mean, they're so tricky. You know, they're so wily. They've been around forever. And the water's so clear that you really need to be a great caster to catch big fish in the summer. I mean, that's just the truth of it. You have to be a good caster to catch big fish in the summer. You know, when you've got that cloud on the water, you can get within 25 feet. You know, you can get within 20 feet. You know, you can put a cast, you know, even if you're a bad caster, you know, you can you can put a cast right on the money. So, uh, you know, at 25 feet and, and you're going to be close to those big fish and where they hang out and they're going to be more more eager to come out and eat. So well, and I'm going to make one more point about that. Right. Because um, we got to wrap this up here. But. I, I think the theory, what you were saying is, you know, the fish are, the big fish, you know, you get the big fish bite whenever that, that summer rainstorm comes. I think that those fish are so hard to catch in the summertime when it's low and clear because I think they hunker down in like these, like real deep, like just like spots where they're just super hidden and almost like they don't want to feel exposed. And then when that mud comes, I think not only, you know, are they more aggressive and stuff, I just think they come out of hiding. I think they're like patrolling around. They're doing a lot of, a lot more moving around than they do when it's low and clear. Um, And, you know, I think there's two times when you can catch really big fish in the summertime. One, first light in dusk. Dawn and dusk, because those fish, you know, they feel like they can move outside of their like spots, and they that's when they feed most is you know first light and dusk, and then uh, and then when it's muddy. I think that's your two best shots. Um, not to say you can't. I mean, I saw this is just an example. I saw Chris on uh, Flat Rock last year, and uh, it actually taught me a lesson. He was fishing this like crayfish fly. And he sat in this hole, this tree forever, and he ended up catching a 19-incher out of there. And I remember thinking, like, that's where that fish is this time of day. You know, it was, it was, sun was up. Like, that fish is, like, deep down in that tree. And, like, unless you are, like, getting your lure, like, down to him, like, you're, you're not going to catch it. Um, whereas I think, it, you know, when the sun's going down or it's muddy, those, that fish will come out of that tree. It'll start to feed, and then you'll have a chance to catch it. So, yeah, well, I, I think that pretty much wraps up anything that I had to say about the topic. How about you, Josh? Any, anything else? 
No, I don't think so. Just get out there and fish if it's oh, muddy. One know. thing I was going to ask you, do you, you ever use uh, do you use any sort of scent or anything? Like You know I don't, but that's probably especially when it's cold and muddy, it's probably a really good idea. It's something that I should probably Cuz I think like do. Jeff Little does that, right? He's like a big scent guy. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, good stuff, man. Uh, appreciate the uh, topic, Mr. Emerson. Um, you can check him out at DA Emerson uh, on Instagram. But, uh, but yeah, appreciate the topic suggestion. Good one for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we, you know, that we're always looking to do is kind of incorporate ideas and, and people's thoughts on episodes uh, and, and kind of topic ideas, guest ideas, and just sort of in general, their thoughts on on our podcast. So in pursuit of that, uh, we did we did set up a call in line. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> so so people could call in and leave us messages, ask questions. We'll read your we'll play your question on the air, and uh, you know we'll respond accordingly. But and it's, uh, it's going to be so. Here's the deal with this. This is called. This is the Smalley Take Hotline. Okay. okay? So you're, you got to bring it hard. You got to bring it fast. <laughs> you got to come You got to bring it big. <laughs> and you got to bring your Smalley, Smalley Take on this uh, this hotline. And all it is, it's a Google number. It has a voicemail box set up. Nobody's going to yeah, we're not gonna answer, answer the phone. Right. Leave a voicemail. It's area code 317-283-9710. That's 317 317- Two eight three nine seven one zero. So call, leave your smally take. It could be funny. It could be a question. It could be. It could not make any sense. We don't care. We'll play it on air. We'll probably make fun of you. We we will probably <laughs> roast you. So just a fair warning. We will probably roast you. And then whatever you know, you're actually uh, you know want us to do. We'll. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll answer your question or whatever. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's a way to interact with our audiences. And yeah. you know, if you want to use music in the background, you want to get creative, like, you know, the more the merrier with that stuff. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, keep it short. Uh, we don't we don't want any uh, manifestos being. We'll just play uh, like the first part. And we'll just cut it off. And also, long. if we find out that you're one of the people who's left left as less than five star reviews, we're not going to play your voicemail <laughs> on the uh, um, on the thing. So. so the other thing, uh, we I had a guy message me uh, on LinkedIn. Believe it or not, um, he doesn't do the socials. But if you want to email your questions in, uh, you can actually we have a quest for twenty three email. Box us quest for twenty three fishing at gmail dot com. So if you wanted to email a question in or something, and you don't have Facebook or what have you. Uh, I completely understand because Facebook can uh, be super annoying. Yeah, especially um, in a, we've got an election year coming up. It's going to oh be it's going to be brutal. Yeah. Um, so so we do have a couple of reviews uh, from last week. Um, we have one on our Facebook page from a guy named Adam Cox. Uh, the reviews, a, it's a five-star review here. These guys are awesome. Modern-day husbands, fathers, and avid anglers who share their passion on a funny podcast. They do a great job getting useful information about f- both fly and conventional stream fishing. Whether you're a seasoned angler or thinking about buying your first rod tomorrow, there is something to learn from listening to these two on the Smalley Talk podcast. Thanks a lot, Adam. Appreciate That's it. That's awesome. Yep, good stuff. And... Uh, 
You know, I think there's one on iTunes too, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty short one. Uh, it's from Pie Boy. It's 69. not that short. It's not that short. It's it's fine. It's our 69th review <laughs> from Pie Boy 69. How how uh, fitting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says great show, um, and all the comment says is I love the Penis Talk podcast. So apparently, <laughs> oh, likes there you go. <laughs> he get, of- that's a guy that gets us right there. Pie Boy 69. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. There's our sophomore humor. That's 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 good stuff. All right. Well. Um, oh yeah. I wanted to uh, ask you if you've got any. I know you do. You got any? Uh, got any? What's new in your box? I'm trying to think what I have. You you pointed something out obvious here. Yeah. No. You've you've. I saw you were in the. Remind me. You you've got your L, you've got your LED. Oh lights. yeah yeah. So I want I want a, a Joe Florida LED light kit for my uh, kayak. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with that. That's, quite that's yet, his. But... That's his earnings. His yeah. prize earnings. Yeah. That's right. For second place, third place, third place. You can say second if you want. That's fine. (laughs) First place amongst smallmouth anglers. That's right. I had to to represent the dude. I appreciate the guys, man. Honestly, it's pretty good showing. I mean, for you, Derek, and I guess to a lesser extent, Adam. I mean, he did okay too. (laughs) (laughs) He cheated. He caught largemouth the night before. He's a. He's got FEDs going. We all know it. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff, man. Uh, proud of you I'm trying guys. to think if I have anything it. else. I, I know you're working on your trailer. Yeah, we're getting it, getting it prepped for the trip. Uh, spent, <laughs> I dropped a decent coin on it. Let's hope my <laughs> wife you? doesn't listen to this podcast. I've got a couple new things, actually. So, oh, yeah. What's, what's new in your box, Chris? Um, so I just bought crossbars for, for my car to uh, haul my kayak. Um, so you can go a day early without me. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so I actually just joined the uh, Cortland Line Pro Ooh, staff. I forgot about that. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they sent me a bunch of stuff. So I got... Uh, Did you already get stuff from them? Mm-hmm. Oh, I... I did not even see that. I'm wearing a hat right he, now. He's low-key in it. He didn't hashtag even say re- anything. Hashtag repping that brand, doggy. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, they reached out over. So you can join the pro staff battle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's, I'm really not, <laughs> I'm really not on one side or the that's other. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. We are going to do it. We are going to do a pro staff battle, uh, yeah. amongst kayak, amongst kayak pro. I think I'm the referee. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I, I'm interested to see how Adam's, it turns uh, out. Adam DeBard's a vibe. I know. Right? I, I'm I'm this is we're we're taking on all comers and coming on all takers <laughs> so if you want to if you want to fish in the pro staff uh you know jerk off battle off you come you <laughs> send us a message and we will make sure if you're on a pro staff for a kayak or or something you know like that then you want to you want to fish in it we're gonna do it that's right it's and to the victor fun. go the spoils and the the losers have to post you know with the other people's well, we information. haven't. We haven't. We haven't uh, came up with the rules yet, but it's going to be. Yeah, good. it's going to be good. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be shameful. It's going to be very shameful. There's going to be a lot of regret. A lot of uh, a lot of disclaimers going out to parents, like, "Hey, don't look at social media for a while. <laughs> what you're going to see is not really me. It's something I lost. You know. So yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. So your son's a loser, but I'm not trans. <laughs> I'm not any of these things. So. No, that's good. That's good stuff, man. Uh, so yeah, I joined up with them, and um, you know they're a good company for sure. I've I've 
you know, I've, I've used a lot of different lines. I've used Rio and scientific anglers for a long time and, um, Cortland makes good stuff. So I'm proud to, you know, represent them. And, uh, obviously I'm mostly doing it for a discount. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Um, so, and, and then, you know, we do have our, uh, I was going to say something about Eric's Eric Smith. Uh, looks like he took one of our tips on sugar Creek, went out and caught some good fish. Uh, this, well, this donkey week. wrangler, uh, the, the donkey wrangler of the week. Um, Eric Smith, donkey yeah. wrangler. I'm not going to lie. Week. That fish looks stressed. You know, he fit. I know where he fishes all the time. Do you know? I think it's a fall Creek guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's like pretty cool. Creek guy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a cool. very that's I've never done it before. Maybe um, maybe he should do. Uh, maybe we should have him on to do a episode on Fall Creek because I don't really know anybody else that fishes Fall Creek. No, I, I don't either. But uh, yeah, I've always wanted to go do it because it runs right through the downtown. It's like three minutes from my office. So yeah. I've always wanted to do it, but I've I've always lots been too afraid. Lots of pollution. Lots of lots of hobos. <laughs> lots of hobos. <laughs> yeah, I think you wouldn't want to camp on that river. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's not that much more pollution than normal. I don't know, dude. That yeah. runs like right through downtown Indianapolis. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. probably pretty bad. Yeah, it's probably really bad. Yeah. Um, but anyways, man, a fun episode. Good good topic uh, from Mr. Emerson there, and. Uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate appreciate everybody listening. Always, you know, you can always find us on social media at Smalley Talk Podcast. Leave us a five star review on iTunes, and uh, we will read it aloud. We will read it aloud. Only five stars, no four stars. No four stars, three. Don't stars. Don't be a dick and give us a four star review. <laughs> <laughs> like All who right. gives four star? Come on now. I, I that is strange. Like you feel so passionately about the four star rating that you're going. I mean, if the one, I get a one star review. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I'm a one or a five guy. You yeah, that's what I'm suck saying. or I like you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I've never went to like a rate something. I'm like, nah, it was okay. Yeah. I respect I felt... you. If you, if you really don't like this podcast and leave us a one star review, I don't want I get one it. star reviews. I don't like us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe you're the one guy that left the one star review. I, we haven't gotten it yet. No, but I'm I'm we, a you know I we, I would get it. When we finally though. get a one star review, we'll know we finally arrived. <laughs> That's right. And this isn't a challenge to go give a one star review, so don't go out and just give us a one star review because we're still five star on on uh, Apple Podcasts. So yeah, please don't screw up our thing we have going. All right, um, well, good stuff, man. Thanks everybody for listening, uh, for sure, and uh, hopefully everybody got some. It's a little more a little more content heavy than our normal. I like this. Yeah, we need we need, a, we need a little little more like you know tangible. I think we got take. I'll tell you, I think we got taken down a little bit by looking at all these, you know, the possibility of our of our big annual trip being kind of banged over. Yeah, we're gonna go. I know, but upper I mean, Mississippi baby or bust. Let's go. We maybe we may have to go, uh, you know, down to Virginia. We'll see. We got some other options. Good stuff. Well, thanks everybody again. Appreciate appreciate listening. All right. Free the fire. Mm.